themselves in the brave new world of cryptocurrency. Crypto-related scam have been in the headlines recently after a scammer purportedly stole Hong Kong 3.5 million in virtual assets from 11 Hong Kongers. Victims were allegedly sent fraudulent text messages that gave scammers full access to their accounts on Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange platform. This comes as other alleged fraud victims involving the local cryptocurrency trading platform JPEX call on the government to step up the regulation of investment crosses after they accused cross instructor of misleading them into investing in the unlicensed platform. And after 9.45, we're going to get into survival tips from a hiking expert after not one, but two teenagers were lost and found this week in the countryside. But first, we're digging into the whole issue of cryptocurrency scams, the exciting world of fraud. And we're going to be welcomed today by Johnny Ung, the lawmaker uh, here in Hong Kong. Good morning, Johnny. Hi, good morning. Hey, good morning. We're also going to be welcomed by Andrew Lung, international independent China strategist. Morning, Andrew. Morning. Good morning. morning. And here in the studio, joining us is Joshua Chu, Group Chief Risk Officer at Coinlectables. Good morning, Joshua. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, good to have you, although I think uh, some of the people in the office, they would have been happy if you had brought your rabbit with you. Yes. <laughs> you're, you're, you're famous now, a father rabbit, which doesn't have anything to do with cryptocurrency scams, but, you know, always fun to mention. We are also welcomed today on the line by Anthony Lai, malware analyst with Valkyrie X Security Research. Good morning, Anthony. Hey, so, uh, Johnny, uh, we've only got you till 9.15, so let's get into it. You have put an idea in front of the legislature because you are concerned about, uh, in particular, investment courses that, you know, people are signing up for and saying, I want to learn more about how to invest, and the whole thing is, you know, it ain't education, it's a scam. What's your plan, Johnny? Uh, yes, actually, um, today is uh, one month uh, after the SFC announced NIMD, the suspended scam uh, website uh, JPEX, and actually for the last uh, two weeks, two three weeks, I approached around over hundreds uh, victims and providing some uh, free legal advice for them. So, what the next actions can they can be taken? Well, um, um, the education is very very important because uh, the cryptocurrency nowadays in Hong Kong is uh, to the general public is quite new things. Uh, they really don't uh, can easily uh, get the idea how this uh, kind of products can uh, uh, go and how this kind of product can generate the reasonable profits for them. Then I think, um, including the government and also some other educational institutions, should provide more and more uh, formal and uh, decent uh, educational support instead of less the, some OTC or KOL provider education uh, scheme while those are uh, actually the self-talk. I think, I think this is very important for upcoming development of RAFI in Hong Kong. Yeah, I mean, this was a little bit of a weird one because, you know, I emceed uh, Token 2049, biggest crypto event in the world uh, this year was in Singapore, and I had never heard of these JPEX guys. But then a lot of people told me they were quite well-known in local circles. Um, I, I did emcee the fight night between Derek Jung and, and Joseph Lamb. And apparently he had his name attached to this thing. But I mean, how was I mean, I'd never heard of these guys, but apparently they had some boxy in, in, in you know, the local community. Um, uh, is this kind of a characteristic of these more sketchy operations? Do they do they kind of operate at kind of a lower publicity level or what? I've, um, that company actually has a lot of mass uh, advertisement outdoor two years ago. 
in MTR, you can find everywhere in the transportations. I think which um, the the crypto market industry really don't un- very uh, get idea about this. But the general public in Hong Kong, uh, first of all, they reach the uh, outdoor advertisements uh, with some celebrities as, as a uh, KOL uh, to sell them, and also in the uh, OTC uh, center which is very um, intensive and also large uh, coverage to general public and some other uh, professional people. They think, uh, they're not IT guys, but they think uh, crypto or roughly is a trend. They want to learn more. And so they approach those uh, KOL and also some uh, educational program. And then they, they, they finally they got to in, in, in this, uh, this scam. And I, you know, we talk about the KOLs. We got one here on the show, Karhai. In addition to uh, doing back chat, you also in you have a, a is it a YouTube channel where you're giving yeah. people a financial? Way? And you've been you've kind of been a victim on the other part of this, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. But uh, actually, it is not like exactly related to JPACs, like this incident. But because I have uh, like host a lot of different financial program on YouTube, and then the scammer is just like taking away our photo, uh, like our YouTube channel's photos, and then I put it to promote their investment cause and then to trap the people or to trap the, the, the netizen to join the cause and then they can earn the money. So as you also mentioned about like a lot of different advertisement on the street, on the bus stop, a lot of different places, they have the, the promotion. So do you think uh, actually getting into this kind of trap is inevitable actually? Um, I think um, those, uh, as you know that uh, uh, rec- new regulatory regimes just passed on for, by the legislative councils last year, December. Uh, while this is uh, effective this year in June, so we don't have the uh, full set of regulations mm. to uh, control, including the advertisement strategy and other things. So I think um, from, from this lesson we learned that um, I think the advertisement is very important and to how to sell the. This kind of things uh, to the general public has to be uh, limited by some uh, certain extent of extremes. Mm. And Joshua, you know, I mean, you're, you're kind of keeping an eye on the sector how, when you're when you're managing risk. How do you advise other people outside of your company to deal with these types of challenges? Well, um, I, I'm actually uh, still in private practice, so uh, we have represented victims on the JPEG scandal, actually. Oh. Uh, so that's an interesting thing. But if you actually look into the facts of this case, this is actually no no different from traditional why fraud or traditional scams like from 20 years ago we have multi-level marketing or pyramid schemes and it's actually the exact same thing they simply ha- have uh, uh, fi- uh, what they repackage as uh, education courses telling you how to break free and reach your financial freedom that's not how the mm. world works mm. but the same yeah. mentality the same psychology this is actually not very sophisticated it's just another theme so mm. when people uh, keep on saying that oh uh, we have loop I disagree. I strongly disagree that there's any loopholes in the law mm-hmm. because we have laws governing and addressing fraud. Fraud will happen regardless of what the laws are mm-hmm. because fraudsters will always be fraudsters and they don't care about what regulations you have out there. Uh, that's the issue of whether you have effective crime prevention and uh, law enforcement in place. And you have brought out some very important points too. Uh, the only new issue, the only new element is that technology has enabled fraud to be much more easier and 90% of all financial fraud still take place in the 
traditional banking system mm. where uh, it's actually far harder for you to recover stolen fiat assets than crypto assets actually mm -hmm. as we have discovered because unlike uh, cryptocurrencies where every transaction is recorded on the blockchain you can't do that you have to go through very complicated bankers trust and knowledge pharmacal disclosure orders just to get a hold of financial records with the banks so actually i would say that uh, it, uh scammers moving into the crypto space are e are also in a new world because they might mm. actually find themselves actually far easier to be caught than yep. in uh traditional wire fraud where you jump across jurisdictions sure. to yep. say russia and then you are free uh yep. you can't do the same thing in this particular space now interesting on jpex they've also brought up is that this scam actually although they say initially they say it's an australian company everything it's actually very local 90% yeah. of the victims are all located in Hong Kong. Uh, and, all, and the promoters and the people exactly. running the company. Yeah. It's all in Cantonese, yeah. All in Cantonese and all the courses are in Cantonese. So the the, 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 the operatives in this particular case is very mm. local. And uh, just because they give an impression saying it's cryptocurrency, it might be gone from Hong Kong, it's highly doubtful because as mm. you can see, there are plenty of arrests. And there's actually a very interesting play of words that these KOLs have been coming out with saying, oh, I am not yet charged. Well, of course, uh, because <laughs> the police yet. is not ready to charge you in a complex fraud case. Uh, yeah. You have 48 hours, and unless the police is so confident of mm. having everything ready for prosecution, yeah. they're not going to send you to the magistracy. That's why they are a lot of times out. They're going to get ready and make sure they can nail you with something. Johnny, I know you've got to go. Uh, one minute before you head out, what is the next move for the legislature to try and protect people? Can they really do anything if this is the same thing, just applied to a new sector? or? <laughs> Is there new yes, legislation? Uh, for the, for the uh, legislation angle, I think uh, for the um, control or regulations about the uh, OTC, uh, I think there's something we can do more uh, because we can see that uh, the OTC is just like the traditional uh, MSO, uh, the money exchange. They can have one function for money exchange, but they have another function right now they are going to do some seminar or education in, in their own shops. So I think uh, the next move uh, for the lawmaker, I think, uh, to promote how we can separate the, the offline uh, over-the-counter uh, exchange from fake dollar to the um, cryptocurrency uh, like uh, the stable coins. Uh, we can do something on that to make sure uh, general public uh, will not be easily to trap uh, into some unlicensed uh, exchange platforms. Okay, so people okay. interested in this and what the government's doing about it should keep an eye on Johnny Young. Johnny, thank you for joining us today. Thank I know you. you got to go early. Thanks for being on. Um, Anthony Lai, malware analyst at Valkyrie X Security Research, uh, is coming later on the show, but we want to ask Andrew Lung. Uh, Andrew, I mean, what's, what's your take on this? Can, can the government actually do anything uh, beyond what is already in place in terms of current legislation? Well, first of all, uh, a bit of a disclaimer. I'm no expert on cryptocurrencies, and I do not have any investment in cryptocurrencies. Now, uh, as far as this uh, um, phenomenon is concerned, obviously there was a lot of free riding, um, as uh, just highlighted, uh, and also scamming uh, using the Internet. Uh, behind it all uh, is a, um, a lack of uh, public appreciation. What the value uh, is and what the risks are, um, especially amongst young people who want to grab, you know, sort of uh, quick money, um, and 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 they are affected by ostentatious display of wealth um, of the so-called crypto leaders. 
um, and they say, wow, well, that's the, what a great way to make money. But without realizing what's the value of cryptocurrencies, and there is a great confusion um, between uh, cryptocurrencies and the so-called digital currencies, which is an entirely different thing. Um, and for example, in China, they're promoting the use of the digital currency, sovereign digital currency, um, backed by the state. But this is very different uh, from cryptocurrencies. Um, and if you look at the value, um, as I said, I'm no big uh, expert on cryptocurrency, so I Google what the value of cryptocurrency is. And then surprised, uh, surprised me that it comes up with uh, unanimously that what you believe is valuable would be valuable. What most people believe is valuable would be valuable. Well, this is no um, <coughs> uh, um, uh, uh, a kind of uh, a brainer in the sense that if you believe gold is valuable, of course, gold is valuable. But the difference between cryptocurrency and gold is enormous. Gold is backed by thousands of years of uh, public appreci appreciation uh, of its rarity, of its physical uh, use as uh, adornments, um, particularly they're associated with wealth and so on and so forth. But now cryptocurrency is um, artificial in the sense that um, there is a, it depends on mining. And then in the case of um, 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 uh, bitcoins, uh, bitcoins uh, is, is artificially restricted in supply so as to create the rarity. Um, so the people realize that this is really an artificial construction. Um, people have got to be very, uh, very careful about where the value is. And of course, the risks are enormous uh, because it cuts across borders. Um, and then there are uh, people's identities are, are not easily found. Um, and then, um, as highlighted just now, there was a great deal of of um, internet um, and scams and, and free riding going on. Um, so it, I think that the education is extremely important, mm. uh, apart from regulation, yeah. um, uh, especially aimed at the, um, the, the less educated investors like the young people. Um, and, and, and of course, the young people, they're now all seized by the difficulty of uh, upward movement in the society. And then they're very difficult to find good paying jobs. And they think, that, well, this is the big way to, to, for me to get wealthy and, and famous and, and riding in um, 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 Maseratis sure. and so on and so forth in a couple of years. So I think that this is very important, um, uh, aim at the uh, potential uh, investors. And also, of course, the regulations are extremely important, um, clamping down on these various schemes using mm. the Internet and so on. Yeah, Joshua, I mean, uh, you know, he, he raises an interesting point about is this mostly targeted at young people? Because, I mean, in, in a lot of cases, uh, older people have been the yeah. targets of scams, especially when it involves new technology or new financial structures, because they're not keeping up. I mean, uh, is there something different? Do we have to think uh, differently? You'll be surprised. I think all segments of society will have victims. Uh, uh, and we are actually seeing more vulnerable class for, for people that are actually more educated, more public figures, that are more reluctant to actually go after the claims because the name have to be displayed. Unlike sexual harassment case where you can just have X, you mm. will actually have to have your name and that comes up with a lot of baggage and people are not willing to pursue the claim uh, as a result. Uh, but uh, education is not the only driving force because at the end of the day, we, it's easy for us to say due diligence, but how many people have actually been burned on bad investment in the securities market? But, but there's, there's a difference between a bad investment that just you know doesn't pan out versus a fraud. Versus a scam. Yeah. And 
even today, we still have a lot of scams uh, that is not just restricted to the internet. We have sure. very professional people still falling over, f- falling for these uh, uh, telephone scams that mm. you get, where people are claiming to be authorities from the mainland China. Oh yeah, and and it, uh, education alone is not the only solution. I, I I think that it has to be a combination of both legislation, education, but you can't really force people to actually know how what think consciously as well as there's actually an application of tools for crime prevention uh, i'm a very big proponent on having the use of emerging technology to help fight crime as well what what kind of technologies could we use because i mean education probably has to be the biggest one because yes. it's so mm. hard to pursue claims now i mean you don't even know like car ha when you, when these guys you know pretended you know that you were endorsing them by using your image you can't find them yeah we can't we we are just like Waiting for people to share the the news t- oh. to us, like no. we don't know. They stole they stole our image, and then we don't even know. And then until we know, and then we try to report the page, but to but, Facebook, yeah, or to Facebook or, Instagram or, and, or yeah, platform. but we don't know if they will like really take it out. Like, so, uh, what, so what technologies can we use? Okay, Joshua? just to correct, uh, you can pursue those people, but unfortunately, oh. a lot of the huge amount of lawyers out there in Hong Kong, not a lot know how to uh, have oh. actually the updated technology, technical <laughs> skills to actually advise the clients on how to pursue these oh. uh, internet identities. Or so like, I've do actually I, do I need to like have the copyright of my face? No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, that doesn't work in Hong Kong either. We have have seen a lot of uh, awkward um, uh, encounters in that respect. You. You need to actually do the correct applications with the court to triangulate uh. and identify the person because everyone behind the website, behind a pseudonym, is actually a real person in oh. on planet Earth. And actually, we have for uh, unfortunately, it's only for high-paying clients at mm. this point that have mm. the resources to really go after these fraudsters that we are able to actually geolocate individuals mm. with the right applications, of course. But, but what are you? But what are you going to do? I mean, hey, uh, police in. India, you know, and I've seen these guys that like bus scammers mm. online, you know, and these guys are in some building in India. What are you going to call the local police in Pune in India and say, oh, go arrest these guys because they're scamming somebody out of their money in Hong Kong? I mean, uh, once it becomes cross-border, isn't it kind of impossible? Uh, we wouldn't say that it's impossible. For example, yeah. there's a new development in Hong Kong is if within one month you're able to identify <laughs> the, uh, that you have been a victim of a crime, a scam, and even if the money went cross-border into China, uh, Hong Kong police actually have the ability to org- uh, organize a police freeze over those assets despite mm. the fact they have left Hong Kong. Okay. But there is, of course, that time-sensitive element. Mm. Uh, the other aspect I wanted to get back on is that our law enforcement infrastructure is needs to be upgraded as well. Uh, we have been a huge proponent on saying the use of artificial intelligence, predictive AI, not so much to, I'm not advocating for RoboCop at, at, at all, <laughs> but uh, we can use these technologies to basically do what we call market monitoring to see uh, to identify suspicious transactions. The data, sure. the raw data is actually all there, but we just don't have the infrastructure in place to identify, even though we have the technology actually, mm. But to assist regulators or law enforcement to identify and say, here are some suspicious activities that you should really look into. Like, like I feel the only time you have an impact of that is, you know, you are forced to travel with three credit cards because every time you pull them out, one of them is going to get declined because you're, you know, you're not using it in Hong Kong. Like, I mean, that seems like the, the biggest application of AI to 
protect us, but it's just a you know, pain in the butt. Because you're like, oh, can I pay? Uh, declined. Uh, declined. Okay, the third one works. Well, hallelujah. You know, I mean, I mean, that, that's. I mean, I mean, the, I think for a lot of people, that's the only experience they have of being protected by the bank. But are there other technologies that can be used now? Um, there are plenty of uh, what we call red tech technologies out there. However, mm-hmm. it's not institutionalized yet. It's uh, not used either because the governments or relevant institutions do not see the need to put the funding and resources into actually applying into them. Mm-hmm. We have some really good technology cybersecurity firms actually located in Hong Kong that specializes in painting attributes behind wallet address, meaning putting the individual behind right. it. But own, the own, their only clients are actually state entities such as the FBI, Mazad, or, mm. uh, or, but they are actively approaching governments to basically say, look, we have the technology, use it. Mm. Uh, but then again, uh, this is where I think it goes back to the legislative council to see if funding is to be put in. Yeah, mm, yeah, I agree. Uh, and also, I think, for example, apart from the education part, because I think cryptocurrency, this kind of like industry is still kind of new in Hong Kong. I don't know why. It's like people don't know it a lot. But I think like the regulation on some like OTC shops, you, they need to like the government need to have a better regulation on it, right? Well, uh- in terms of regulations, mm. I think what these OTC is doing is quite questionable because they're mm. holding seminars to promote their service. It's actually a sales pitch session repackaged into what they call education, right? Uh, this is not something that you can deal away with with mm. uh, regulating a specific industry because what they're doing in the OTC sect- uh, sector, it's actually being replicated in healthcare, uh, beauty uh, beauty shops, etc. Uh, and it's actually the same sk- scheme, but mm. put in a different skin. And cybersecurity is only catching, uh, sorry, cryptocurrencies is only catching headlines because it's new yeah, it's and new. there's huge impact. But uh, if you look at it, it's actually a small drip mm. in a big big pond of uh, scheme uh, scams that's out there in the market right mm. now. Yeah. A- Andrew Lung, um, I know you've got to go at the half hour. Uh, what else do you think the Hong Kong government can be doing to protect people? especially from uh, these kind of so-called education courses that direct people to, you know, fraudulent investor platforms? Well, as I said, the regulations and, and also the use of technology, of course, are extremely important, stopping the, the scammers. But I think the uh, education uh, as distinct from sales pitch or front pitch uh, is extremely important as regards the risks uh, and the real values uh, of the so-called of these uh, 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 cryptocurrencies or bitcoins are concerned, I think there is a great deal of misunderstanding, uh, not only amongst youngsters, but also uh, even um, uh, grown-up people and, and also some potential investors. I think it's important to, um, for the government to highlight um, uh, what this um, um, uh, this cryptocurrencies are, uh, and then what are what, what is the basic intrinsic value, and what's the value for investments, and what are the risks, because it's highly volatile, because it's going up and down, you know, sort of uh, uh, from the top of the mountain down to the bottom of the cliff uh, in a matter of hours or, or even less. So I think that all these risks has got to be highlighted and targeted at the potential groups, uh, but not only um, at youngsters perhaps, but also uh, investors, uh, due diligence and also what sort of due diligence uh, as for the youngsters and 
they have got to realize that there is no free lunch and, and it is not that the path to 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 wealth is is, is not paid with, with with this cryptocurrencies so i think that, that this, this is extremely important uh, but on the other hand or regulation is also important it's highlighted the use of technology uh, to keep up with the times uh, both inside the government and outside the government in the investment sector yeah, Joshua. Uh, fair enough. Do you? Uh, I mean, we're gonna we're gonna break for the half hour in a couple of seconds here. Last last thirty second hit before we uh, take us. Oh, uh, just as a disclaimer, I don't suggest everyone start putting their money in gold either, because gold does have volatility. And if you think about putting money in fiat currency as well, that's also a potentially very dangerous idea. Look at the, what happened to the Russian ruble. It lost, what, 100% of their value mm. over a short period of time. So there are, research into risk with everything that you do, yeah. not just with crypto. Okay, sounds good. We are uh, we're 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 trending over into the content of my the other show that I do. Yeah, Monetize I'm it. about to say like we are going to those like talking about a stock market in the next like Welcome 15 minutes. Back money talk chat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a quick break for the news. It is only a quick break, so make sure you come back because it's Andrew Work and Karha that are guiding back chat today. We're talking about scams, uh, some of the big ones that have been happening recently, in particular in the cryptocurrency space. Quick hit on the weather, mainly fine. Max temperature is going to be about 30 degrees. The weekend is looking good. We're going to say goodbye to Andrew Lung, independent and international China strategist, and uh, turn you over to Carol Musgrave with the news. Israeli forces have continued to strike Gaza at regular intervals during a second night without power in the Palestinian territory. Health officials say at least 45 people were killed when an airstrike brought down a block of flats in the district of Jabalia. The Hong Kong Monetary Authority says it's seen a sharp increase in fraud-related complaints, with almost a 1,000 cases reported in the first nine months, more than for the whole of last year. The authority says a particular concern is the use of messaging platforms such as WhatsApp. And a white police officer in the U.S. state of Colorado, Randy Rodema, has been convicted for criminally negligent homicide over the death of a 23-year-old black man, Elijah McLean, in 2019. Police stopped him as he was walking home. They put him in a chokehold before paramedics then injected him with a sedative. I'll have more news at 10. Water sports are fun and exciting, but they're also dangerous. Make safety your first priority. Coxswains and lookout men should always keep an eye on passengers. Before engaging in water sports, put on life-saving gear and check all the equipment. Never engage in water sports alone at any time. Stay on board after taking drugs or drinking alcohol. The Marine Department reminds you, be safety conscious when enjoying water sports. This quarter's demand notes for rates and government rent have been posted. There will be no rates concession for this quarter and the next. The total amount due is shown on the demand note. Be sure to pay by October 31st or you'll have to pay a surcharge. If you haven't received the demand note, please call the Rating and Valuation Department's Inquiry Hotline on 2152-0111. To save time, please pay your rates and government rent by autopay or electronic means. And we're back on Back Chat. I'm Andrew Work here with Kara Ha. We're joined in the studio today with Joshua Chu, Group Chief Risk Officer at uh, Coin Electables. Uh, and he's a lawyer, too. Yes. I got that. Okay, for the first part of the show, because we're talking about <clears throat> frauds and scams and the world of crypto. We're joined also now by Anthony Lai, who is a malware analyst at Valkyrie X Security Research. Anthony, thanks for getting on the line. Good morning. 
Good morning. Good morning. Anthony, um, one of the kind of peculiarities of the uh, JPEX was that there, there was they exploited a flaw in the cybersecurity of the site. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about how that worked? Um, you mean in the cyber, cyber uh, the cryptocurrency in the cybersecurity uh, yeah, perspective? Yeah, or? tell us where the holes are in these exchanges uh, that people might be investing in that could leave them vulnerable to getting hacked or... All right. Um, actually, for um, you know, most uh, most of the incidents related to the uh, cryptocurrency is sometimes you will watch, you will find headlines say, "Oh, the cryptocurrency exchange is hacked, and your cryptocurrency is gone." Okay, <laughs> and then yeah. after that, the investors say uh, they can't get back the key, mm-hmm. and then the cryptocurrency you can't get back, then you 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 simply lost everything. So this is the kinds of availability issues, because even you got the cryptocurrency wallets, but you stored online, but you didn't download it as a co-wallet, uh, offline the wallet. But if the exchange or the or the platform is is hacked, you simply lost everything, mm. and you can't even get back anything because the key maybe already stolen or maybe disappear. In certain extents, or I have watched the Netflix about the cryptocurrency documentary that about uh, many years ago. There's a Canadian um, exchange, oh, yeah. and then the, the founder is claimed to be passed away, and all the all the coins <coughs> they're, all, they're all locked up because nobody's got the key. Lock up, yeah, and people pay a lot of think a lot of mystery and whether it is true or not. This is the problem, say, availability is a core issue. Mm. And other than that, um, you should also check and, and, the, and, the, and the investor or some kinds of cryptocurrency uh, buyers should confirm whether they, they trust the platforms or not. They can check whether their platforms, those platforms got uh, are exchanged in some legitimate exchange or sometimes and there's some online tools to trace whether their wallets or their own wallets or the company wallets of those, of those uh, uh, company, whether they have some kinds of malicious or suspicious transition and, mm. and open, open uh, cryptocurrency to other wallets. Yeah, you they gotta, can check up. Yeah, you check, gotta, check about it. Yeah. You, you definitely got to keep an eye on it. Joshua, I know you want to bring some more detail to this well um there's actually a reason why uh law enforcement authorities have identified jpex as a scam already or they're alleging it is because uh, uh, what happened in this particular case is that uh users are actually given this wallet that they never had a key to mm. and while they're depositing uh, money and everything in uh what really happened is that there's a difference between what they see on the display that they see on the website that mm. says it's their different. account has how much money versus actually the wallet that's under Underneath it, that no one bothers checking, which, which is exactly what Bernie Madox did. Exactly, in an unsophisticated form, he would send people printouts saying, "This is the money in your investment account," and they'd be like, "Oh, great, I got all this money," and there was actually nothing there. Exactly, that's why I say this is actually a, not a new trick, mm. uh, just a, a new skin to a very old trick. And what has happened yeah. is those wallets were now suddenly discovered. Oh, it's actually drained long ago, not just after the SFC come start chasing after them. And, 
and uh, we always say that not your key, not your wallet. But this actually paints a bigger problem with our traditional financial industry because we do something called fractional banking. And mm. despite the fact that each time we put our paychecks into the bank, we don't really know if the bank is f- truly liquid. And that's why when we have banking crisis and collapse, uh, people are suddenly found that, oh, uh, all I have is uh, the insurance uh, that the bank allegedly got. And that's yeah. the only payout I have, but not the money uh, underneath it. This this is something I think people don't understand about cryptocurrencies. When you look at your online bank account, that is not money in yeah, the that, bank. That is number. No, <laughs> it's, it's an IOU from the bank. Exactly. Yeah. It is a bank saying, when you ask me, I will give you this money. But yeah. it is not actual. But if, you know, I mean, but with cryptocurrency, if you have... The money stored on your own computer, it's like having cash under your mattress. Exactly. You actually have it somewhere. Uh, but the, uh, unless, but, uh, unless your computer melts down <laughs> or you lose the password. See, but a lot of times people are using exchanges as ad hoc banks as well. That's why they don't even know that, oh, actually that wallet that you think that you have control over that you're putting money into, it's actually not your account. It's somebody else's account. That's why right. they're able to make off with it. But again, liquidating stolen crypto is very difficult. That's the only reason why our the richest person on earth is currently I, I, I'm not sure if it's still Elon Musk but uh, instead of Kim Jong-un because Kim Jong-un have a lot of stolen crypto he should yeah. be the richest in the world but he's not yeah yeah and and Anthony I mean we, we've seen a number of these uh, some, sometimes it's because you know like in the case of Sam Bankman Freed the person operating the exchange was ripping off his customers but in the case of like Mt. Gox to go back to the early days of crypto it was because they got hacked I mean, Anthony, how, how can a typical consumer assess the cybersecurity strength of an exchange they're choosing to put their crypto in? Um, first of all, um, I, I got sort of friends running the, um, the cryptocurrency exchange in Korea. Um, they, they share the experience like, um, first of all, uh, they will do some kind of regular check and assessment over their even the penetration test or red brew team some kinds of typical in, uh, infrastructure check for that but if for the for the outsiders like the individuals actually they can't realize really think um they know this kind of um information from uh from an investor perspective or some a buyer perspective but only just trust some kinds of you can see whether they fulfill any um audit requirement or some kinds of um uh, in some in industry or computer security um, assessment standard or audit from their report, or they can make a query over about this. Other than that, they have no way to know whether the the platform is secure or not. They just they just depends on whether the um, exchange they did they carry out some regular uh, security check over their their platform only. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and actually, like as you mentioned about, uh, you have friends have the cryptocurrency, like for example, the uh, 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 exchange center in Korea. So actually, what is the difference uh, of the cryptocurrency atmosphere between Hong Kong and Korea? Do you know any like regulation of like there? Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah, he is simply. He's the CEO of the Coinbase and uh, uh, the CEO of those of the Korea Korea one of the uh, uh, exchange, and they they simply some kind got, got some kinds of regulations and supporting the exchange to winning, but still he still need to fighting for kinds of compliance or some kind of um, 
regulations to to support their running because even in Korea they allow this kind of um, activities but some got some kind of partial support but they still need to convince the government to have a fully support but at least they got some regulation some regulators and then also they they do their due diligence to ensure the platform is secure and try to make sure everything um, got a backup and even and platform is gone or cryptocurrency is gone they got a completely uh, some kinds of um, plan B for example if there some different incidents like um, they're hacked they will got kinds of compensation scheme they already mentioned to those investors and as I mentioned as you mentioned before yeah um, some is a scam old skills they, they didn't see it's just online the figures but they allow you to get a code, code wallet and download the keys download the wallet so that's why they, they put everything um, on the table. Mm. They didn't do anything like like a scam, put anything online, but actually the investor got nothing. So it's very clear. And the regulator also checks some preliminary checks over the platforms regularly. As I know, they will come to the exchange, um, his company, and check whether what, uh, and do some um, account audits and also to ch- some preliminary check over the platforms, how do they ensure those investor coins uh, and transaction and the platforms are secure as well. So there's there's two different things that regulators are presumably checking. Number one, you know, are they running a legitimate, honestly run operation where they're not ripping off the clients? And number two, are they taking cybersecurity seriously enough and are they executing on it? Joshua, are the regulators in Hong Kong, are they, are they you know, they, they've said we're open to crypto. We'd like to see more crypto business in Hong Kong, a reversal of position from a couple of years ago. People are very excited about it. But are the regulators geared up with the personnel and the expertise to effectively regulate these exchanges in Hong Kong? Do you, do you think they're up to the task? Oh, f- very uh, for- I, don't, I don't think, I, uh, very I don't for- think so. Uh, very fortunately, uh, I've actually know? worked on uh, the two exchanges that got uh, with the company that got the license for the first two exchanges in Hong Kong. Okay. And there is a focus on cybersecurity. There are requirements, but you have to understand how it works. But that's, uh, the, that's the company. Are the regulators geared up to effectively monitor this? Uh, look, the, the way that it works is that the regulators will say that you have certain standards, but whether those standards hold up to tests mm. is actually still offloaded to the, the, the SFC is not going to come in and indemnify those companies mm. for having good or bad cybersecurity. And look at it from the banking industry. Every single major banks that we have, uh, we have known in the world actually got hacked one way or the other. The focus is not just on cybersecurity. It's actually on whether you have good insurance policy. Yeah. Because getting hacked is inevitable in this day and age. Mm-hmm. It's whether your users are fully compensated. And those compensation schemes that we mentioned a lot, a lot of it is really poor because they end up with nothing. They're like mm-hmm. saying, I owe you this, I give you shares. That is not going to work. And actually, you should really study that before agreeing to it because you might be waiving a lot of your rights mm-hmm. uh, but at the end of the day uh, I think it's actually a combination approach it's not just about cybersecurity. yes I believe that you should have audits but it will only get you so far uh, be, be, because anything that's uh, touching online can be compromised the question is whether you have good and strong insurance policies behind to back you and that is something that needs to be made known to the public Okay, uh, Anthony, uh, you, you've kind of shown your hand when I asked the same question. Are the, regu- <laughs> are the regulators, you know, do they have sufficient resources and competency to manage this? I think you said no. 
Yeah, and uh, actually, for as um, as you know, most of the work is offloaded to the to the bank or the or the or the cryptocurrency platform owner itself. But the the problem is, um, did they have some skills to verify whether those audit those um, those security uh, report is really legitimate? Because um, as I I have did. I did a lot of assessment, and even to we will order a lot of MNCs. Sometimes the report could be simply just take it like a homework, or make it up like a, they are past the standard. And of course, uh, in from business perspective, they to buy they can buy um, kinds of uh, insurance. They could say their their account is very sound, the accounting system and all the things is is are very sound. But from the cybersecurity things, I think they need more professionals to say hey where to verify those report those security level is really up up, up up to date or or up to the standard otherwise they just claim by the cryptocurrency exchange owner only then mm-hmm. can't verify otherwise they will be simply just they're hacked and they have no way to say but they pass they pass the standard but they got incident so do you think to see can you you, you can see the conflicts. You pass the standard, but you still got the incident. So that's why we need kinds of um, really deep analysis or really deep examination, whether or or, or checklist, mm. or even to check up whether they are really the cybersecurity standard is already engaged or not. Yeah, I mean, but Joshua raises a good point that no matter how good your security is, you are going to get hacked at some point. Then the mm. next the next level has to be compensation. I, you know, I'm, I'm still banking with HSBC 20 years ago. You know, money disappeared out of our account and, you know, it took us about three months for HSBC to come back and finally admit it was their security that failed. And then we got compensated. But, it, you know, we were out of pocket, uh, about 80,000 Hong Kong dollars for those three months, which, you know, 20 years ago was a couple of bucks. Um, I mean, uh, do crypto exchanges offer that double layer of, some, the, you know, the best cybersecurity they possibly can and then compensation for when it does fail? Do we see that in the crypto world? Do well, they have compensation? One of the conditions for getting a license is that you need to have a minimum capital available. But at the same time, there is that insurance uh, mechanism that is in place. Now, uh, uh, the, the, the question is, are we going to basically align that with the banking uh, uh, standards as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I work with a lot of payment gateways and we do do cybersecurity incident response uh, as well, I've done audits, I've done FIs, I've done mitigation on how to prevent litigation. But at the end of the day, uh, it, uh, just because you got that PCI certification, it doesn't mean that your payment gateway is not going to be targeted and exploited. Sure. Uh, mm. And at the end of the day, I don't think anyone really cares as long as you get your money back. So ins- insurance and saying I have the proper level of indemnification from an insurance company is far more beneficial than just saying I have this piece of uh, foolproof cybersecurity. What are you going to do? Argue with them and say, uh, have two years saying oh, whether your cybersecurity is up to standard or do you want to have the money back from an insurance company? Mm. I would take the insurance money anytime over mm. an argument by with cybersecurity experts. And again, I think that is the difference between traditional fact, frac, uh, fractional banking versus crypto is that when a crypto exchange gets drained, the real money is actually gone. Whereas with the bank, you just be like, oh yeah, we're compensating it. We'll just put the IOU back in your because <laughs> it, it doesn't actually have to be real money. Fascinating. Um, obviously, security is going to continue to be a moving target, and we will be taking aim on it uh, here on Back Chat in the future, I'm sure, and bringing back guests like Joshua Chu, 
Group Chief Risk Officer from Coinlectibles, and Anthony Lai, the malware analyst from Valkyrie X Security Research. Thank you to both of you for joining us today. Well, thank you for having thank us. You. Thank you. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And we're back on Backchat. I'm Andrew Work here with Car Ha. And we're changing gears a little bit away from the uh, risky world of cryptocurrency to the risky world of getting lost in the jungle. And uh, I know a lot of people in Hong Kong were really, really happy this week when they found out that a, a lost uh, teenager who'd been out in the wilderness for quite a long time was found safe and sound and returned to his family. We're welcomed now by Roland Sharman, who's the founder and CEO of HK Outsider, who's going to talk a little bit about surviving in the wilderness when the worst happens. Roland, thank you for hey. joining us. Hey. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Carr. Roland, what, what do you make of this? I mean, I have to admit, I thought the worst was going to happen, that they were going to find a body, not a live kid, but they did find him, everybody happy. And then I thought, well, maybe he was at his friend's place binge playing Fortnite or World of Warcraft and didn't want to tell his parents. Um, but I don't think either of those, you know, obviously neither of those is the case. I mean, how does well, a kid who doesn't have specialist training survive a week out in the forest? I, I tell you, it was, as you said, I mean, I was, it was the best news of the day, if not, you know, a much broader time horizon. I was ecstatic that uh, finally we have some positive news when, when something wrong goes, in, uh, goes wrong out in the outdoors. Um, so great news. I mean, listen, uh, we, we don't really know the full story yet, but let's just assume he was lost in the jungle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Matthew's shown incredible resilience and fortitude to survive that long. Um, you know, I, it's a huge mobilization by emergency services as well, a huge amount of staff from various different um, aspects of government services, whether it's search and rescue mountain guys or police or fire, firefighters, etc., I mean, there was a lot of work that went in, but a good result uh, at the end of it. it. It's, you know, it's funny actually. I was in the, the area the day he was found, or, or towards the end of the, the end of the day, going into nightfall. It is very tricky. You know, I went through an area I've been many times. I was doing a site check for an upcoming event with somebody that hadn't been in the area, and I, I got to a space at the end of the rock climbing, and there's always a path there, but. I couldn't find it, and light was getting low. Obviously, I've got my map out, and I've got my torches, and I'm prepared. And this is the key with, with, with going into the outdoors. It's all about preparation. Mm -hmm. You have to be prepared. You have to have redundant supplies of power, light, water, all these things. Um, but for, for Matthew to survive in seven days, you, you could say it's a miracle, but I think uh, it just shows his true fortitude and resilience, as I said, and, and a huge um, effort on behalf of emergency services. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I imagine, you know, that you're not going to get dehydrated in a Hong Kong jungle. It's a pretty wet, pretty wet place. But what did he eat? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, if you're in a North American forest, yeah, there's stuff yeah. you can eat, right? But I mean, well, yeah. in a Hong Kong jungle, I mean, what did he eat yeah. for nine days? You know, I, I never, I, I never give too much credit to what gets printed because you, you really don't know because you weren't there. Yeah. I mean, food is obviously not the the, the emergency. Uh, source that you need water is far more important and yes there's a ready supply considering we had a significant amount of rainfall um you know with the typhoon etc um you know the paper suggests leaves and berries but some of the berries in hong kong are not very pleasant for the stomach i don't think you're going to die um but generally speaking you shouldn't eat wild berries or wild fruit uh, because they can you know have be poisonous. Sort of, uh, <laughs> a negative effect that could be poison that could make you feel ill you know put you unconscious or or, or actually lead you astray further into the dark hole that you don't want to be going down. So unless you're absolutely desperate, um, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be chewing on berries. I'd rather yeah. maybe try and kill some uh, local wildlife. Yeah. And, so and, and have a crack. And 
So in if we uh, unfortunately have this kind of situation, we got lost uh, in the jungle or something. So mm. how? What do you think about like how can we maximize our survival uh, without like food, water? I think like. Everywhere, right? Well, listen, listen, it's it's okay to say that, you know, without food and water, without a phone, you know, without... But the the simple thing is, if you go into the outdoors, you should be prepared. It Mm. is all about preparation. You should have a plan. You should have backup uh, communication devices, um, torches, you know, snacks, water, or or, or some kind of fluid that's, you know, alkaline, uh, has uh, electrolytes inside uh, for hydration, obviously. Um... You, you know, that's what you should be doing. If not, it, you know, it's it's very hard. But, you know, the most important thing is to try and stay calm. Don't panic. Oh. Um, if you, you know, all of a sudden, uh, you know, if you find yourself lost, stay calm. Think about it. Try and find, in the dark, you try and find kind of landmarks or light. But sometimes it's very difficult because of the undulating valleys. Um, but, you know, maybe try and, if once you're calm and settled, stay put, try and, Think back to where you were and try and retrace your steps is always a good thing. Sometimes, depending on the emergency of the situation, you need to maybe try and find some shelter uh, and wait for light and then get to high ground and try and find a way out, uh, you know, to find a major path. Major path. Um, you know, these are the sort of basic sort of outdoor survival scenarios. Um, but, you know, keep wandering around at dark in the bushes is not a good idea. It's best to stay put, otherwise you get further and further in, in, into trouble. I mean, uh, you know, do you go to high ground so you can see or something? Because, I mean, especially if you're in Hong Kong, I mean, it seems like there's always going to be a housing estate or something, no, no, you know, visible exactly, from a high point. Said, yeah, high ground is, is obviously the first choice when you're calm and you haven't got any solutions. Try and, you know, you try and find landmarks going to high ground. But if it's dark and you're in a valley, you know, sometimes it's quite hard to get across. You might be going across a stream considering the water flow, the flash flood risk from recent typhoons. Obviously, in, in this particular situation, I wouldn't be crossing any streams without experience. Um, you know, Should you so follow you a stream down to the ocean? Sorry? Should you follow yeah, a stream you know, down to the ocean? Thinking, yeah. I was thinking about this, but the streams don't always necessarily end up... Listen, Hong Kong has got tremendous waterways to manage the landslips uh, because of the because of the monsoon rains, etc., and try and avoid soil erosion, etc. You see all these concrete walls up. So there's, there's a lot of streams that end up going into some kind of man-made um, situation where you could probably find your way out, but they don't necessarily lead you outside the country park. You could still be going for days. Um, so following the water down is not necessarily always the way uh, the way out. You, you would recommend going to high ground and try to see if you can... I would always say go to high ground you know, so you can, so you can visualize, visualize your way out. Uh, I saw a rumor actually online is saying we, if we were uh, on the top of the mountain and we got lost like suddenly and we don't know, we don't know when and where and what, what, where, what, what we have with us mm. and then we just like going down from the hill. Just mm. going down, 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 and then we can like find a place. Is it like possible? I'm, I'm not sure the question. So, I mean, if you're up high and you can see, you can see the, your objective or your location, and try and work your way down. Yes, obviously, if it's a lightning storm and rain, you don't want to be on top of a mountain because that brings other risks, such as lightning strikes. You'd always want to not be on high ground, but that situation occurs. Um, but I wasn't quite sure. I mean, I, you know, if you go to high ground, you can generally try and find a path out, unless you're in the middle of the Andes or in a massive, you know, you know, range of mountains. That's not going to be helpful. Um, but again, if you, you're not going to be walking out of school and going into a situation in Hong Kong like that, um, and people that are in those situations should be prepared in advance. I mean, just just talking Hong Kong. Are there, situ- are there, are there yeah. times if you do get lost? 
Um, when should you stay put and when should you stay on the move? I mean, if it's nighttime, should you just say, that's it, I'm down for uh, the night, wait until the sun uh, comes I, out? I think so. I think my opinion is you, 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 you've got to stop, stay calm. If you think, feel you can retrace your steps, you, you should try and do that. Mm-hmm. If, if, you, if, your, if your mind is, is strong and you're, and, and you're relaxed. And that's, that's, in fact, that's what I did the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, to find a, a more common way out of the situation. I retraced my steps back down to the rocks and climbed, climbed out another way. Um, that is always the way to do it. If, you, if you're a little bit too rattled, then I think you find shelter in the aerial and stay put, certainly. Mm. Should you try to clear that area out where you are? Because, I mean, one of the things that's new is the use of drones in search parties. Mm. I mean, if you create a clearing, if you just start knocking stuff down yeah, and create a clearing, people will be like, that, that's weird. That, that makes absolute sense. I mean, you should always try and have you know, you should always try and have, you know, eyesight to the sky in any case, uh, if, if possible, or get to an area where you can be visible. Um, certainly in that situation, that makes a lot of sense. And I believe they were using drones. I don't think we were told how they found him eventually or narrowed the area, but I think drones were involved. Hmm. And I mean, I, I guess, you know, with the uh, decline of smoking, people aren't walking around with lighters anymore. Oh, <laughs> I no, mean, should no. you maybe carry matches for a way of making fire when you go out? Well, again, as I said, preparation is always the first thing. You know, yeah. people should know where you're going. Um, you know, should, you should have all the backups, you know, matches, lighters, knife, everything that you can use to survive in the outdoors in case of emergency. I was going out for a one and a half hour hike the other night. I left it, it started about 4.30, should have been done in time, but we got delayed and things happened and then all of a sudden, you know, I couldn't find the path out. You know, a lot of the paths have been overgrown of late as well. You know, two years ago, the paths were all wide open, but you know, with, you know, with everyone hitting the trails because of COVID, now, all the trails are covered up. They're both back grown over again because everyone's traveling again and the trails are not as, as popular as they were. And we've had a lot of rain and, and the heat. Um, so a lot of the, you know, and we're not, we're not talking about major paths per se, but a lot of the trails that people follow are small little you know, side paths and access routes, et cetera. Yeah. They're all covered up. You know, and I found myself, you know, in a situation where I couldn't find a little path to make sure I was heading in the right direction. So I know full well I walk for 10 minutes in the wrong direction. That becomes a big problem. But I went out with two torches, Snacks for a day, fluids, first aid, two communications devices. You know, I, you know, I have a little device. I can press a button, and emergency services just come to me. Hmm. So and those you, are very commonly available for people and not ridiculously expensive. That's very interesting because I, I know that when I've gone on paths that I am unfamiliar with and you think, oh, yeah, it looks fine on the map. It looks very well marked out. And uh, you, you get out there and you're like, that, yeah. yeah, yeah, it wasn't I, uh, yeah, so I've, clear. I've, I've come across people that have done that and got themselves into trouble because they managed to climb down something they haven't been able to climb out and they're stuck on the side of a mountain. Yeah, maybe I got, maybe I got lucky that time because I was on my own. Um, yeah. <laughs> thank you very much to Roland Sharman for uh, coming to talk to us today about being in the outdoors in Hong Kong and doing it right, which means doing it safe on the back of the news that a couple of our teenagers were found out there. Thank you very much, Roland, for joining us today. And we're going to be- get back on the airways with Back Chat on Monday. It's going to be Jim Gould and Mike Rouse who are going to be lighting up the airways. Uh, just before them, from 8 till 9, it'll be Money Talk with yours truly, Andrew Work, doing my other show. Maybe we should get you on there, Carhawk, if you've got your secret life as a Cantonese financial influencer. People should check out your YouTube channel, maybe. Hey. Make sure you get the real Carha, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, sure. <laughs> okay. So thank you very much to everybody for joining us today. Uh, thank you to our producer, Raphael Butt, and our sound engineer is James Lung. This has been Backchat. RTHK, the news at 10 with Carol Musgrave.
Israeli forces have continued to strike Gaza at regular intervals during a second night without power in the Palestinian territory. Health officials say at least 45 people were killed when an airstrike brought down a block of flats